All right, we are in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 21 to 24, wrapping up our series on Ephesians today. Okay. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 to 24, says this, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, this record of communication from uh, Paul imprisoned to a church he loved in the region of Ephesus. God, we pray that as we conclude and, and, and take this uh, farewell from his letter, that we would be encouraged by it and strengthened by it, empowered by it to, to be ministers that you've called us to be. God, I pray that your spirit would guide this word and that you would be exalted. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> What's the purpose of life? It's a small question people sometimes ask, right? <laughs> you know, just trying to find purpose in life, right? Uh, you know, some people say it's survival. Some people say it's a family heritage, building a family heritage, and they're proud of their roots that go back to wherever they might be, you know, Ireland, and they go to Ancestry.com, and they fill out Ancestry.com, and they think they're Irish, and it turns out they're Swedish, or, you know, whatever. Um, family heritage is important to us. Money, success, people find purpose in. Uh, a lot of people find purpose in trying to do more good than bad. There's a lot of answers that people come to life with and say, this is the purpose of life. And I would submit to you, and probably, probably many of you already believe this in the room, but I think the Bible has some things to say about our purpose. And he especially has, the Bible especially has some things to say about our purpose as believers um, because of what Christ has done in us. He's given us a very clear purpose. And I think we see that in the passage today. Uh, the Bible has something to say about our purpose as believers. Paul says something very clear about it to the Ephesians um, and, and to many of the churches that he speaks with. He says that you're to be a minister. You're to be a minister. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, what it is to be a minister, right? One of the chief passages that this conclusion that I would come to a life with is that our purpose in life to be a minister is found in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21 might be a familiar passage. We've gone through it as a church uh, recently, and it says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right? If you have become a believer, something he's going to tell you about becoming a believer, okay? 
So if you become a believer, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, if, you've, uh, if, if, you've, um, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Is the ministry of reconciliation my job as a pastor? Does it say any pastor who has come to know Jesus is given the ministry of reconciliation? No. If anyone is in Christ... God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. The further description of it, verse 19, that is that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I submit to you that as a Christian, Your calling, your purpose is to be a minister. Whether you've been ordained vocationally to do that in some full or part-time or part-part-time capacity, um, you've been called to be a minister. You've been given a ministry of reconciliation. What God pours out in us, He expects us to continue to pour out to others. He doesn't expect blessing that comes upon us to end with us, but rather to flow through us that His ministry might continue. And that's true as we see it here today. We've, we've been reconciled to God through Christ. Our old purposes have passed away, maybe purpose of money and success and doing more good than bad or what have you. They've passed away. And a new, a new purpose has come, and that purpose is to reconcile uh, people to Jesus, to show them the love of Christ. Our new life is to be an ambassador for Christ, God appealing to the world through us. He's given us a purpose in the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us authority and ability and opportunity to declare a message of reconciliation to our world. So I think it's plain from sort of Paul's teaching that he's calling us to get involved and be a part and, and that he's going to give us gifts in which to do that. We've seen that in Ephesians as he's appointed some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers. He appoints us with giftings to uh, further the kingdom of God. And everyone is a participant in that. So our message is called Be a Minister. Our purpose as, as Christians is really that, to, to embrace the calling to be a minister. Um, and so, where do I get that from this text? What I get from this text is that I see Paul showing us what it is to be a minister here. He, he demonstrates it. He's told uh, believers in Corinth and even in, in Ephesus to agree that your calling is to take part in, the, in this you know, kingdom advance. But I think in these final passages, we see a quick glimpse of how Paul ministers. And and then, as a result of seeing how Paul ministers, we know how we ought to also minister. So these verses show us what a minister does. And there's four things. Encouragement, peace, love, and grace. And to Sam's dismay... Our encouragement slide did not load. But it's okay. We've got three out of four of them. Um, So what does a minister do? 
Paul shows us that a minister gives encouragement. Verses 21 to 22. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Tychicus, the, the only mention of him is here as a, as a deliverer of a letter on a piece of parchment from Rome to Ephesus. But he has a purpose. Uh, Paul gave him a very specific purpose, and it wasn't just delivery of a piece of paper. That was part of it. He brought a letter that told some things that Paul wanted to teach the region of Ephesus about. But he gives him a purpose along with bringing just uh, being a courier. It's more than just being a courier. What does he say? He says that this beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I've sent him for this purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Part of uh, Tychicus' purpose in, in being, maybe even in being chosen by Paul to take this message is that Paul knew that Tychicus would speak boldly and encouragingly about Paul's certain situation. This is important for the Ephesians to know because, as you know, uh, Paul is writing this letter from a prison. <laughs> so if you happen to come to know the Lord in the past 10 years, and the person that helped you uh, come to know the Lord is now imprisoned and has been for some time, you might be having some doubts. You might be having some concerns that maybe this isn't the way we ought to go if my leader is in prison and the whole world around me is saying, this is a lie. There's clear doubts that would come in. And so Paul says, I want Tychicus to let you know what we're doing and how we are. Why? Because in spite of the fact that Paul is in prison, he is being used as a minister of the Lord in prison to the soldiers that come and go uh, with the opportunity to reflect on his life and write to churches and encourage them in faith. The, the work is going forward even though Paul is in prison. It's an encouraging word that Tychicus brings. Encouragement is about simply this, and uh, it's about testifying to the saving work of God. We encourage each other uh, when we come together and say, this is what the Lord did this week. One thing that I've told you guys that has been very encouraging to me lately is that I was granted a paternity leave this last couple months of the year. It's very encouraging to me. And you guys have heard that story about how that came about. And that's an encouragement to me. You know, and, and so as I am encouraged by that and share the goodness of God in that, you get to be encouraged in that, that yes, God does show up and he, and he does answer prayers and he even blesses you unexpectedly in times. This is the character of God. When we testify of the saving work of God and his work in this world, we encourage one another. And that's exactly what Tychicus does. He comes from Rome with this letter and says, hey guys, here's this letter, but let me tell you what Paul is doing. While he's in jail, he's getting to minister to these prison mates. And while he's in jail, these people are visiting and he's getting to talk to them, encourage them. He's getting to continue ministry in spite of being in jail. It's an encouragement. By definition, uh, encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. I think the Ephesians probably needed that, and Tychicus, as a minister, 
of the Lord brought it to them by saying the Lord is advancing in spite of the fact that Paul is here in prison. Tychicus tells them how Paul is, verse 21. Paul's okay. He's, he's in prison, but he's okay. And what he's doing, and the end of and the second part of 21, the gospel is advancing in spite of maybe bleak-looking circumstances. The fact is, and we know this, that faith in Jesus doesn't make us immune to the difficulties of life. It does, however, give us confidence and hope in every circumstance that we face. And as a calling to ministry, we as believers have a calling unto one another to encourage each other in spite of and in the midst of bleak and difficult circumstances, to point to the hope that is in Christ, to point to the hope that is beyond the temporal and is actually eternal. Some circumstances don't get taken away in this life. We know that. And so it's important for us to keep our eyes fixed on what is eternal, what God has given us in eternity. Say, God has defeated this. And whether you experience that defeat or victory during this life, I don't know. But God has defeated it, and you will be with Him in heaven. He's given us an eternal relationship that supersedes every circumstance that we run into in this world. It is our job as ministers to encourage each other with this truth. Next, a minister gives peace. Paul says in verse 23, Peace be to the brothers. He's not just saying goodbye or hi. His message of peace is, uh, is well-rooted throughout Ephesians. Where does our peace come from? Um, you know, the most powerful source of peace in my life has come from a growing knowledge of who I am in Christ. Uh, there we go. Uh, a growing knowledge of who I am in Christ. And this past week, as I've read through, been reading through the, the whole of the book of Ephesians and just trying to reflect on our time in it, I really think this is a major theme throughout. Um we see in Ephesians how once we are, we're dead and now we've been made alive, how once we were fatherless and now we have been adopted by a king, uh, once we had no inheritance and God has given us an inheritance, uh, these things that we worry about and, and are concerned about, really chiefly our identity and who we are, are made right in Christ. And when you know who you are in Jesus, there's not a circumstance that comes that can rob you of your peace because you know who you are in Christ. This has been big throughout uh, the whole of our time in Ephesians, that God has made peace with his enemies. That, that once, you know, Paul describes how, uh, how awful we once were. And says, you, you were once this way, and now you've become a child of the light. God has made peace with us. He has given us peace. He has brought us into a relationship with Him. And when we talk about being a minister of reconciliation, that's exactly the peace that we're talking about. Is that we're reconciling the enemies of God with God. And peace comes in 
when, when we see that love pour out from God upon us who so, uh, so often uh, run from Him. He makes peace with us. And so as you've received encouragement and as you've received peace, as a minister, our calling is to give those things out. Next, a minister gives love. Second half of verse 23. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we love with faith? I never usually associate those in that way. Like, I never, the, the phrase love with faith, I don't think is a, a typical one that we use. But as I was thinking about it, it became a little bit clearer to you, and hopefully it'll become uh, uh, clearer to me, and hopefully it'll become clearer to you as well. Um, love takes action. Bob Goff says this, that love is not stationary. In his book, Love Does. Right? Love takes action. And I actually like that uh, we've got this, this phrase, love with faith. Um, because the truth is, if God is calling you to love your enemies... What does that look like, right? I mean, it's one thing to like love a family member or a spouse or a, you know, a brother or a sister or whatever, right? It's one thing to love your family and maybe, you know, in some cases not, but maybe have some uh, real um, and, and perfectly okay expectation that love will be returned back or that it will be reciprocal or what have you. But when Paul says love with faith, I think sometimes you're loving and you're not sure that love's going to come back. Right? You love with faith and you're not sure that love is going to be returned. Paul says love with faith. Right? Love with faith that, that that love actually has a transformative effect. Love with faith when it doesn't look like that. Love with faith when it's hard to see uh, a response coming from that love. Love with faith. God calls us to love our enemies and he calls us when he does that to exactly this, to love others out of faith. Love not knowing that uh, what you're going re- to receive in return from that. Because ultimately it's not your responsibility. God has called you to love despite the circumstances and situations and stories and, and background. And your duty as a minister is to discharge that duty by loving with faith. Loving knowing that the response is really in God's hands. Loving knowing that He's the one that's going to change hearts and mold them. And your job is to love with faith. Yeah, you might not know how it 
how it returns. You might not know how it's responded to. It might not be responded to well. It's really not your concern. To be a minister, you love with faith. Love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God shows us this. This is the, the beautiful demonstration we see in the gospel is that God who is holy and separate and better and bigger and greater than everything he's created steps into it and loves us when we don't deserve it. Love with faith. From what you've seen in God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, love with faith. Finally, a minister gives grace. Verse 24. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The phrase that I um, love in the end of this passage is, uh, you know, love incorruptible. A love that cannot be corrupted. And I, so I got to thinking about that, like, what, what can corrupt love? What can corrupt us from loving and faith? And I think it's excuses, and I think it's doubts, and, and Paul says that those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible, he, he gives grace to them. Grace to you who love Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. You cast aside the doubts, cast aside the excuses, and run to Jesus and love Him and exalt Him and serve Him and submit to Him. And grace comes into your life, floods your life. Grace be to those who love Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. See, Paul, in, in the last few verses of this message, he blesses the Ephesians. He pours out these things on the Ephesians. He says, that you may also know uh, how I am and what I am doing. I've sent Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, and he will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Paul blesses the Ephesians with encouragement of the saving work of Jesus in spite of difficult circumstance. Peace be to the brothers. Paul blesses the brothers with peace. You have peace in Christ. You have fullness in Him. You've been reconciled to God through Jesus. Love with faith from God the Father 
Paul has loved with faith every little corner of the Mediterranean that he goes to, not knowing if he's going to have food or if he's going to have a boat to get to where he needs to go or if his legs are going to give out on him while he walks from city to city. Like, he's loving with faith, knowing that, okay, I'm not supposed to go here, I'm supposed to go there. He's loving with faith. And blesses them with grace to those who love with an incorruptible love. What Paul has received in Jesus when Christ showed up in his life and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And saves him on the Damascus road and gives him uh, the gospel and a calling to go to the nations. Paul doesn't just sit on that and like keep it inside of himself. He pours it out. He shows us what it is to be a minister. He calls us to ministry, each of us, and he shows us what it looks like to encourage, to give peace, to give love with faith, and to extend grace in every circumstance. Let's go with this. We're called to minister. You are called to minister. If you are a believer in Jesus and have trusted him with your life, you've been called into ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. To be a minister isn't complicated. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to go to seminary. You actually don't even have to be ordained. Calling is simple. Give what you have received. Give what you've received. You've been given encouragement and peace and love and grace. Give it. Be a minister. Give what God has given you so graciously in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling us into ministry. Thank you for giving us authority and ability and power for that calling. Thank you for making it very simple for us. That what we receive in Jesus, we simply give away. God, I pray that you would lead us this week, that we would listen to your spirit as to how we ought to be a minister in our community, whether it be at work or school, whether it be with friends or family or coworkers. Show us by your spirit, Lord, how we can give encouragement and peace and love and grace in every situation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.